It's so easy to listen from home. I just tell my smart speaker, Alexa, play the Shake Back Sports podcast. Here's hashtag brothers of baseball slash Shake Back Sports show from Apple Podcasts, continuing the latest episode. Welcome you to a show divided right here on the Shake Bag Media Group, powered by, of course, by the Shake Bag Media Group. Welcome into another playoff edition of this terrific show. We had a ball last episode on the Super Show with so many great people. I had to play that one for the money because uh, that's where we are when we're talking about, you know what we're talking about. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? playoffs i just hope we can win a game and you know what there are some teams out there that hope they could win a game and they did um others uh they hope they could win a game and they didn't shout out to my girl tisha c she is uh, a little bit under the weather and was not able to join us on this particular episode so little sissy get well with the quickie (laughs) i'm not a rapper uh, and nor do I play one on radio, TV, or through streaming. Anyway, thank you guys out there for checking us out on Facebook, Facebook, and Facebook. Four. Wow. I got the BGC Sports Network on, on here as well. Welcome on in. I have my personal page as well as the Shake Back Media Group Facebook page, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter. Make sure you guys go out there and follow us on Twitter. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, like the Facebook page on Facebook for the network and for the SBMG. We would greatly appreciate it. All right, man. You know we got some things to talk about. The wild card weekend is in the books. It was kind of wild. If you ask the Los Angeles Chargers and their fans, they probably don't want to talk to you. And why not? Because of what happened to them or what really what they did to themselves. And not only that, they did not fire (laughs) their coach. So, before we get into any of that, you know what we got to do. You already know what it is. So, let's go get it. Come on. Is another edition of the Shakeback Media. I'm sorry, <laughs> I show divided. Powered by the Shakeback Media Group and also presented on the BGC Sports Network's Facebook page, of course, the Twitter feed for the Shakeback Media Group and YouTube, LinkedIn, as well as my personal Facebook page. So I'm just trying to stream everywhere, guys, and that is what you do whenever you're trying to build a network. And we got a lot of exciting things going down here at the Shakeback Media Group. Um, to include, well, all that stuff will remain to be unsaid at this time. But I will tell you, anybody out there that's watching, 
and ultimately we'll be listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever else you get your podcasting materials. If you are interested in becoming a part of an up-and-coming network, please hit me in the DM. I got you covered. I got you back like a sweater. All right, so let's get to these here playoffs. Um, again, Tisha C is not available uh, on this episode. She is a little under the weather, so you get well and get some rest. And don't make me don't make me have to come up there and uh, you know do whatever I need to do to tie you down and 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 feed you medicine or whatever the case may be. So you get back because I need you. All right, so wild card, super wild card weekend is in the books, and there was some blowouts. And there were some close calls, and then there was a blowout. But then in the second half, there was a not so much of a blowout. So <laughs> we're going to go right there to San Francisco or Santa Clara because in the downfall that was supposed to be or the torrential downpour that was supposed to be in the Bay Area actually was not. The sun came out, and I think the Seattle Seahawks were a little affected by that because – for some reason, they were able to come out and establish a lead on the 49ers in Santa Clara at the Big Blue Jeans at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara County. It was a cute story for the Seattle Seahawks. They did jump out to a 17-16 to 16 lead at halftime. Um, yeah, they scored one more time after that, and it was in the fourth quarter after the game was well decided. What can you say about the San Francisco 49ers, particularly in the effort in the second half, and their quarterback, Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, draft choice number 2,407 from Iowa State University, home of the Cyclones, right there from Ames, Iowa, leading the 49ers to their 10th straight win, I want to say. This dude, man, threw for three touchdowns and ran for another. Actually, he, yeah, he threw for four or he threw for three and ran for another. This is the first time that a rookie quarterback for the 49ers has ever done such a thing. 18 of 30, 332 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Christian McCaffrey, 15 carries, 119 yards, no touchdowns on the ground. Debo Samuel had a big day, six receptions, 133 yards, one score, and a scintillating 74-yard reception, of which he really did all of the work after Purdy got him the ball on the outside. Brandon Ayuk, he had a, uh, a decent game as well. Christian McCaffrey had one touchdown passing or receiving. I have put the over-under in our preview show at Christian McCaffrey's um, total yards at 175 and a half, I think it was. Um, it came in a little under, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't care about that because they got the victory for uh, for the Seahawks and their tremendous season that no one expected him to be there, uh, be here rather. Geno Smith, 26 of 35, two touchdowns, one interception, 253 yards total. Kenneth Walker, the third, who was probably going to be your rookie of the year on the offensive side of the pill, 15 carries, 63 yards, and then that monster that's out there at wide receiver this dude just torched ward the both both wards for the 49ers in the secondary 10 receptions 136 yards two scores but that's where it ended because no other 
No other receiver for the Seahawks had more than 40 yards. So that's in essence like LeBron scoring 60 and the rest of the team only scoring 40. That's not going to work against a defense like that. So the 49ers are now home to the Dallas Cowboys, who we will get to them in just a second and what they did against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, the next game that we're going to talk about, how about, man, how about those Minnesota Vikings against the New York Giants? And when I say how about the Minnesota Vikings, I mean the New York Giants. As we have continued to say, what up, Marissa Tigney? Make sure y'all go out there and check out the Heard That podcast. Um, she's also on YouTube as well. She was a, a guest on the show last episode, no longer a guest, always family now. I think we were the only two on the panel that actually picked the Giants to win that game. And not only that, we talked about how big of a fraud the Minnesota Vikings were. Yeah, they had a 13-4 and record, but they had a, a point differential of minus three. Daniel Jones, what can you say about Daniel Jones? I think Daniel Jones has solidified at least a three-year deal with the Giants, probably at about $90 million guaranteed, and the total contract value of maybe $120. That's what I'm thinking. Um, and they may they may franchise him, they may not, but they still have Saquon Barkley that they have to contend with as well. But in this particular game, let's just co- let's just speak to that. 31-24. In the, I almost said the Metrodome. It hadn't been the Metrodome since, mm, I don't know when. U.S. Bank Stadium is where they play at up there in Minneapolis. Daniel Jones has probably the best uh, game of his young career. I think he's answered the questions on whether or not he should be the guy behind center for the G-Man. That's just what I believe he's done enough. And what can you say about Brian Dayball? Coaching matters. Coaching matters. Daniel Jones, 24 of 35, 301 yards, two touchdowns. Also, no interceptions, no turnovers. Rushes for 78 yards on 17 carries. Led the team in rushing. Yes, that same team that has Saquon Barkley on it, who actually rushed from 53 yards himself, but he did have two touchdowns. Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins, we know. He puts up numbers. That's what he does. 31 of 39, 273 yards. Two, uh, two scores. But here's the thing. Those three, the last three of those 273 yards was on a fourth down and eight. On a fourth down and eight. And it was the last possession of the game for them. And he throws a, th- a three yard out to TJ Hawkinson. Why? Why? What are you thinking? I mean, it's fourth down. You're driving to uh, get the potential tying touchdown, you got to force that ball into somebody, man. You got to force that thing into Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, uh, Ahmad, Rashad, Sammy White, somebody, Randy Moss. You, you got to force that thing into somebody. You just can't throw it three yards and that be it. Um, for the, the Vikings, Dalvin Cook rushes for 60 yards on 15 carries. TJ Hawkinson, 10, 10 receptions, 129 yards. The 10th reception and the three, the last three of the 129 yards ended the season for the Vikings. Isaiah Hodgins, who for the New York Giants, eight receptions, 105 yards, one score. Darius Slayton, four receptions, 88 yards. That's 22 yards per catch, ladies and gentlemen. The Giants suddenly have a wide receiver core that mirrors that of Steve Smith. Victor Cruz and 
Hakeem Nicks, if you want to throw him in there. Maybe not yet, but those dudes are definitely doing their thing. Um, a bunch of no-name receivers for that squad. And uh, they're definitely uh, heading off to Philly now to take on a team that they have lost to, <laughs> to twice already this year. And you know what they say about how hard it is to beat a team three times in a row. They will get their opportunity to end that drought. And we'll get to that in just a second. How about the Jacksonville Jaguars? Oh, my gosh. Trevor Lawrence. This dude was, what, five out of 13 for 28 yards and four picks in the first half. But this is the reason why you play the entire game. The San, San Diego, they probably wish they were back in San Diego at this point. The Los Angeles Chargers up 27 to 7 at halftime. 27 to 7. You have an offense that had, oh, oh, and oh, by the way, can we give a shout out to Asante Samuel? This dude had three picks in the first half by himself. And <laughs> I turned the game off. I'm sure like a lot of other people did. And then next thing you know, you're like, wait, what? They did what? So let's get let's dive into this because Coach Doug P, shout out to the big homie, man. ULM, y'all stand up. I got to get you on the show. Uh, I, I got to try at least to get you on the show after y'all possibly beat Kansas City. Oh, by the, by the way, I hate them. Uh, Tisha. That's uh, Andy Reid going up against his protege. We're going to get to that here in just a second as well. Justin Herbert, 25 of 43, 273 yards, one touchdown, no picks. Trevor Lawrence, (laughs) 28 of 47, 288 yards, four touchdowns, all in the second half, four picks, all in the first half. Travis Etienne rushes 20 times for 109 yards to include that critical fourth and one where Doug Peterson made that that terrific call Etienne gets on the outside and runs down the field for 25 and sets them up for the game-winning field goal but before that the touchdown I think it was from Lawrence to Zay Jones Zay Jones actually finished the game with eight receptions and 74 yards with that one score Evan Ingram seven for 93 and one score Christian Kirk eight for 78 with one score Marvin Jones senior Three for 29 with one score. So that's that pass to Zay Jones, that 39-yarder. I think it was that pass and that touchdown that actually got the Jags hashtag do ball that much closer. And then on the ensuing PAT, there was a penalty on the Chargers, which moved the ball halfway to the goal, half distance, half the distance of the goal. So they took it from the three-yard line, or what would have been the three-yard line in the olden days, or the two-yard line, in, or, or I'm sorry, the three-yard line in the olden days. They accept the penalty, get it moved halfway to the goal, and then they go for two and they get it. So instead of being down by three, they're only down by two. And at this point, I didn't totally checked out of the game. I'm snoring at this point. So I can only imagine what the feeling was on that football team and in that stadium when the Jags got the touchdown, the PAT was moved halfway to the goal, and then they get the two-point conversion. And I can only imagine what the Chargers must have been going through. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, Gerald Everett, he leads the way for the Chargers in receptions with six and 109. Keenan Allen also had six for 61. Austin Eckler, yeah, he had two touchdowns. But they cannot run the ball. For whatever reason, they cannot 
run the ball. And I understand that a lot of their offensive linemen um, have been hurt and injured, you know, throughout various points of the year. So the continuity may not even be there. But still, this is this is a team that has underachieved, in my opinion, for the last really for the last two years plus. Um, and what's going to become of the charge? We're going to talk about that here in just a second. So now the Jaguars and Doug Peterson go off to Kansas City. I hate them to face Andy Reid in the divisional round in Kansas City. We're going to get to that here in just a second as well. Um, moving on, moving right along, the Miami Dolphins, hashtag fans up, the team that I had adopted after, after the Raiders fell on their face, go into Buffalo and give the Bills everything they want and a lot of what they didn't need. 34-31, and it came down to the last possession for the Dolphins. And Skylar Thompson, the rookie, the seventh-round draft pick, oh, by the way, first time in NFL history where two NFL draft picks in the seventh round started a playoff game. And he he didn't play bad, he didn't play great, but he did enough for that team to be in it. And that last pass that was off the hands of Mike Gusecki, it could have very well been caught, which would have converted. I think it was a fourth and six. I think that would have been enough to, uh, that, 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 that catch had he been able to make it, would have been enough to convert the first down. So 34-31, the Dolphins in a valiant effort. Um, Josh Allen, what is wrong with you, dude? You need to stop turning the ball over. And if I'm, if I'm a Bills fan, I'm a little nervous, man. I'm a little nervous as they take on Cincinnati, and we'll get to that one here in just a second. Um, Josh Allen, 23 of 39, 352 yards, three touchdowns, but two picks. And he was sacked seven times. Skylar Thompson, 18 of 45, 220 yards, one touchdown, two picks. And again, Miami couldn't run the ball either. 23 yards from Jeff Wilson. Um, that was it on the ground for them. And then the Buffalo Bills can't run the ball either. Although they did get 48 yards from Devin Singletary on 10 carries. James Cook, 12 yards, 39 carries, and a score. Josh Allen only ran the ball four times and got 20 yards. Stephon Diggs, seven, seven catches, 114 yards. Gabe Davis, six for 113 and a score um, for Miami. Seven for 69 for Tyreek Hill. And then that was pretty much it. I mean, Gasecki had two for 15. He did have a touchdown. Um, Jalen Waddle was only three for 44. So the Miami Dolphins give the Bills all that they want um, and then some but succumb. And I can't help but to think that if Tua was playing this game, we could have had a whole different outcome. That's just me. All right. Uh, let's see. Cincinnati and the Bengals or Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens. The second time in consecutive weeks that these two teams met um, and Cincinnati, they look kind of bad there for a long time but let's give it up to uh jim harbaugh and his game plan with the exception of the quarterback sneak attempt <laughs> by Tyler, uh, uh, uh huntley where he did not get the ball over the plane of the end zone i don't care what they said i don't care what he thought at the time that it happened they should have given that ball to jk dobbins yes that jk dobbins that went to ohio state he had been having a monster game um and and they were actually running the ball very, very effectively on the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. And that is what they would that's what they would have needed to do in order to give themselves a good chance 
to win this game. And they did just that. Seriously, they did just that. J.K. Dobbins, 12 or 13 rushes, 62 yards. Huntley himself had 54 yards on nine carries. Gus Edwards, 39 yards on 12 carries. They actually, for a team, rushed for 155 yards. Tyler Huntley, 17 of 29, 226, two scores, one interception. Joe Burrow, very pedestrian, 23 of 32, 209, one score. And then, of course, they could not run the ball either. 18 carries as a team for 51 yards and one touchdown. Jamar Chase, nine catches, 84 yards and a score. After that, I mean, T. Higgins had four grabs. Tyler Boyd had, Tyler Boyd had three grabs. And they actually got to um, Joe Burrow and sacked him four times. So that's that game. The Ravens go home. The Bengals move on to take on the Buffalo Bills. That one will be live from whatever the name of that stadium is in Buffalo. I just know it's in Orchard Park. All right, and then in the finale on Monday night down in Tampa, uh, Tom Brady, is his career over? Well, it looked like that it was over in that game on Monday night because uh, I don't understand. Excuse me. <clears throat> I don't understand why you don't make a con- more, conservative, more concerted effort to run the football if you are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You have a Dallas Cowboys team that, yeah, they have one of the best pass-rushing units in the National Football League, but they have been susceptible to the run all year long, and in particularly these last four or five weeks. And everybody knows that if you get up on the Cowboys um, and and you can run the ball on them, that's going to wear down that defense that is light in the butt but very, very fast. So in this particular game, it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. They led 18 to nothing. The only – Really, the most terrible thing about this game for the Cowboys and hashtag Cowboy Nation is your kicker missed, what, four extra point attempts? Yeah, somebody need to go buy some lottery tickets because that dude is clutch, Brett Meyer. And (laughs) there was something out there saying that, okay, yeah, he's not going to be let go. Well, you better not let him go. I mean, he's been clutch for you his entire career. He just had a a bad game. I mean, Dak Prescott was throwing pick sixes. You You didn't put him back on the bench for Cooper Rush, did you? No. So, anyway. Dallas wins 31-14, uh, effectively ending the run for uh, Tom Brady in Tampa. I think that, uh, well, he's already come out and said that he's going to take it one day at a time, so no decision will be made. He's going to be 46 years old in August. Um, I don't have a feeling one way or the other on it right now, but let's talk about the uh, the Dallas Cowboys because everybody and their mama outside of Dallas Cowboys Nation. And then there were even a couple people inside of Dallas Cowboy Nation that were thinking that, hey, you know what? I would not be surprised if the Buccaneers actually beat us. But it was going to take some planets to be aligned for that to take place. And the planets were aligned all right, but they were for the Cowboys. Dak Prescott, probably the best game he's played in his career. 25 of 33, 305 yards, four touchdown passes, and then one on the game, uh, one on the ground. Tom Brady, why are you having your 45-year-old quarterback drop back 66 times? Why are you having your quarterback drop back 66 times? Why are you only running the ball 12 times? I don't understand. And then for um, for the Cowboys, Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott combined for 28 yards, or 28 carries, rather, and 104 yards. And uh, Dak Prescott rushes for 24 yards and the score himself. Dalton Schultz, seven receptions, 95 yards, and two touchdowns. 
CeeDee Lamb, four for 68 and one. Michael Gallup, five for 46 and one. Uh, for the Buccaneers, Chris Godwin, 10, but for only 85. Julio Jones, seven for 74, one touchdown. Mike Evans, six for 74. So um, even though they only got to Tom Brady twice, it seemed like that that dude was under tremendous pressure all game long and like it has been for most of the season for the Buccaneers behind an offensive line that really let them down. I know they had a lot of injuries. Their center, uh, Jensen, came back in Monday night's game. But, you know, after being out for all of the, the entire season and coming back in that atmosphere with those, those things at stake, um, with that intensity, uh, with that pass rush, it, it just wasn't meant to be. So the Cowboys and the 49ers will renew playoff pleasantries once again. If you will remember what happened last year at the Boss Hog Bowl, at the Chicken Fried Nation, at Jerry World, over there in Arlington, down the 30 freeway. Yeah, the 49ers won the game, and they actually beat up the uh, the the, uh, the Cowboys a little bit too. Um, but then that game, of course, is going to be remembered for the penalties by the Cowboys and for them not being able to get a playoff uh, on the last play of the game before trying to kick a field goal. So um, my prediction on this game, I mean, let me, let me do this first. Let me run through the uh, – the uh, the advantages or the confidence meter for 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 both teams, uh, quarterback. I'm gonna go with Dak Prescott, but the way that Brock Purdy is playing, you can actually call this a push almost. The running back room, I'm gonna give that to the 49ers. I know Ezekiel Elliott is over there, and I know Tony Pollard is over there, but Christian McCaffrey has brought or has brung rather a whole different vibe to the 49ers running game. And the way that they maul people up front with Trent Williams, uh, you can line him up in the backfield. You can put him in motion and bring him across the formation. All those things. I'm going to give the running back room edge to the 49ers. Wide receivers, I'm going to give that to the 49ers because of Debo Samuel, because of Brandon Ayuk, and because of Mr. Jennings. Um, the, the Cowboys have CeeDee Lamb. They have Noah Brown. They have Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup is not all the way back, you can tell. And CeeDee Lamb, yeah, he, he, he is a number, I would say he's probably a one and a half. He's probably a one and a half receiver. Not necessarily a one, but not necessarily a two. Um, and then the tight end, that easily goes to George Kittle. Easily. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Um, defensive front, the front seven. <laughs> the 49ers have three of the best linebackers in the National Football League. They have Nick Bosa, who's probably going to be the defensive player of the year, led the league in sacks. You put him up against Michael Parsons, huh, that is a that would be a, a great comparison between those two great, great pass rushers. I'm going to give the front seven advantage to the 49ers. Special teams, uh, Robbie Gold is the is the OG, the old Wiley vet. Uh, we need to see what Brett Maher is going to do after this debacle of a game that he had against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm going to go with the go with the golden <laughs> the golden shoes and the golden kicker from San Francisco, and that's Robbie Gold and their punter, of course. Now, the punter for the Cowboys is also great, and Cavante Turpin, uh, the little homie from Monroe, Louisiana, went to Neville High School with TCU. Uh, he is a dynamic special teams person, but I'm still going to give the advantage to the 49ers. Um, and then the secondary. The secondary, to me, 
is the weakest part of the 49ers defense. And also for the Cowboys, outside of uh, Diggs, I've been saying it. They are average at best. So I'm going to give this one a push. And you could give the slight edge to the 49ers if you base it on the fact that their front seven is better than the Cowboys' front seven. So that's where that stands right there. Coaching, the confidence goes to or the advantage goes to Kyle Shanahan over Mike McCarthy. So um, the, the, the boxes are all checked for the 49ers. And with that being said, Pastor N.Q. McGill told me in a meeting on Tuesday that the Dallas Cowboys are going to expose and make Purdy look ugly and they're going to walk out of there. They're going to walk out of Levi Stadium with the win and head off to the NFC Championship game either at home against the New York Giants or in Philly against the Eagles. And speaking of Philly and the Eagles, round three. Round three for these two. The Philadelphia Eagles took the first two games. Uh, that last game, they really didn't play their starters. Look, I'm telling you right now, the Giants are on a roll. You can, you can, you can say this, and I think they're already favored uh, the underdog by like ten points. I think the line is ten. I'm not exactly for sure on that because I'm not a betting man, but I think I heard that at some point during the day on Tuesday. Daniel Jones, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts gets the advantage, and J- but Daniel Jones is playing some heck of a football. Wide receiver core easily to the Philadelphia Philly, uh, Phillies. Tune into the hashtag Brothers of Baseball Show on the Big Game Christmas Sports Network. Twelve and sixes, one and sevens. Monday through Friday, BGC SN one and two. Um, so the Philadelphia Eagles have the have the advantage at wide receiver in the wide receiver room with AJ Brown, Jalen Waddle, and whoever else you want to throw on there over the Giants receiving core, which we rattled off their names uh, earlier in the show and what they did against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, tight end. I'm going to go with the Eagles as well. Defense, front seven, Eagles, secondary, Eagles. Uh, <laughs> um, special teams, Eagles. Coaching, mm, Brian Dayball has done a tremendous job. A tremendous job. And I, I think I want to give the edge to him. Uh, Sirianni still has some things he needs to show us. Um, so I'm going to give the edge to the Eagles, and the prediction and the who's going to win the game and all of that, um, it'll be the Philadelphia Eagles soaring off to the NFC Championship game against the San Francisco Giant, uh, Giants. Again, tune into the hashtag, brothers. I got baseball on the brain, y'all. It's coming up. Um, they will sell off or they will soar off to the NFC Championship game, and they will host the San Francisco 49ers with the right or for the right to go to the Super Bowl. Okay, let's let's kick it over to the AFC. The Cincinnati Bengals will be traveling up the 90, or wait a minute, from Cincinnati, let's see. They will be going up the 71 to Columbus and then to Cleveland. Then they'll get on the 90, and then they'll head to Buffalo. And there will be Josh Allen and the crew awaiting. Now, we remember what happened in week 17 when these two teams played because they didn't really play. Um... Prayers up, continue prayers for DeMar Hamlin as he continues to improve from dying basically twice. I'm going to say what it is from dying on the field and then at the or uh, at the hospital. Um, Cincinnati, they squeaked out a win against a Ravens team that you can tell that their game plan was to really just run it down the Bengals throat. 
and it was very much close to being successful. John, John Harbaugh, the head coach, has to answer some questions as to, as to why he did not give the ball to either Gus Edwards or J.K. Dobbins down there uh, deep in <laughs> deep in, in Bengals territory. I think it was on the two or three yard line. We saw what happened. Henderson gets the fumble recovery and returns it to the house. Um, Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. I'm going to go with Joe Burrow in this matchup of quarterbacks and in terms of who has the advantage. The reason why I'm going with Joe Burrow is because he is a lot more careful with the ball than just Josh Allen has been here lately. Running back room, I'm going to go with the Bengals. Joe Mixon, Samaji Pirine, I, I, I have a feeling that or I, I believe that they could run the ball better than the Buffalo Bills could if they were pressed to do so. Devin Singletary is not bad. Cook is a rookie, and he's going to be really good. But I like Mixon and, and, and P. Ryan, the Oklahoma boys, as the advantage there. Wide receiver room. Okay. So on one side, you have T. Higgins. On the other side, or on one side, you have T. Higgins, um, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd. On the other side, you have Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, and now Cole Beasley. I think I'm going to flow with the Bengals because those three are the best trio of receivers in the National Football League. Gabriel Davis and Stephon Diggs might be a top five duo, but we're talking about top three. Advantage, hashtag, who day. All right, let's move on. Oh, the tight ends. I like Donovan Knox. Um, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Knox from Buffalo, although he didn't get the ball that much this year. I also like uh, Hayden Hurst for the Cincinnati Bengals. They feature him a little bit more than what uh, the Bills do with Knox. Advantage, Cincinnati. Front seven, I'm going to go with the Bengals. And that, that's primarily due to the fact that we have no Von Miller for the Buffalo Bills. Um, secondary, I'm going to go with the Bills on this one. They're getting some players back. Micah Hyde is a superstar back there. Uh, Trey White, you know, he... Is, is, has been injured a great deal of the year, but uh, he's an all-pro uh, 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 defensive back. But I'm going to go with the uh, the Bills in terms of the secondary advantage. Special teams, you cannot break Mr. McPherson from the Bengals. That kid has ice water running through his veins. Um, I'm going to give the edge to the Bengals as, on that as well. So what does that mean? We're not going to have Tisha. We're not going to have the Buffalo Bills playing against the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship. It's going to be a rematch of last year's AFC Championship, and the Cincinnati Bengals are going to go off to Kansas City and take on Patrick Mahomes and those Kansas City Chiefs. I hate them. Well, I shouldn't say that because I got to get to the Kansas City Chiefs and the Jacksonville Jaguars game. Okay, so <laughs> I think I already gave it away. But let's just talk about the Jaguars for a second because they could have packed it in and gave up and said, yo, you know what? We came a long way this year. We won the division. We made a lot of strides. We got a lot of weapons on offense and defense. Uh, we have the coach that we need. We can we can pack this thing in and build on next year. But no, I mean, they did what they're supposed to do, and they never lost faith in Trevor, in Trevor Lawrence. Um, they're going to be a little bit in over their head, although I would love to see this upset just because I hate them, and uh, I'm rooting for Coach Doug. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I think the Chiefs will, of course, move on and play the Bengals in the AFC Championship game in Kansas City. So, 
Um, we're going to preview all of that, or we're going to wrap all of that up once uh, those games are finished. Um, it's going to be an exciting divisional round of playoffs in the NFL. I'm looking forward to chopping up with you guys. Uh, on, off the field stuff, um, as I spoke about at the beginning of the show, uh, Brandon Staley, the coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, I had tweeted that if they were to – and this was when the score was 27. I think the score was 20 – it was 27 to zip. No, it was, I'm sorry. It was 27 to 7, so it was actually halftime. And I actually tweeted at Shakeback Media Group, and I said, if Brandon Staley blows this lead, the Chargers should make him low crawl back to California and then give him his pinky. Not his pinky finger, but his pink slip. Well, so far, that has not happened. Instead, they fired their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator, and it looks as though they're going to be the fall guys for Staley. So what does that mean? Well, Sean Payton probably is not going there unless something crazy happens that we don't see behind the scenes. That in itself is, a, is, a, uh, is crazy. And then how does Tampa fire their offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich after this particular game? Okay, it's not Byron Leftwich's fault that they couldn't run the ball. It's not Byron Leftwich's fault that Tom Brady is 46 years old and he started, or almost 46 years old, and he started looking like that in Monday night's game. It's not his fault that the offensive line couldn't block. He's not the offensive line coach. He's the coordinator. They fired him. Tampa Bay, in my opinion, is going to be in for a major overhaul and a major rebuild um, down there in southwest Florida. So, I don't know, man. We shall see. Um, another note here that I wanted to speak on real quick, and that was is, of course, <coughs> excuse me. Y'all know how I get when I get to talking. I get excited, and my and my throat gets parched, and all those things happen uh, simultaneously. Uh, but let's um, let's um, let's talk about uh, the the uh, unfortunate death of the University of Georgia and their assistant coach and one of their players. Um, they 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 passed away after a car crash uh, in Athens or close to Athens. The police are saying that speed was definitely a factor. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say they were coming back from seeing a prospect. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I don't have the story in front of me and I don't have their names. I apologize for that. But I wanted to make sure that we uh, give our most heartfelt prayers, thoughts, condolences, well wishes to everybody that's uh, associated with those young men, their families. Uh, the University of Georgia, the entire university, the football team, and uh, everyone else that's connected to them. Um, all right, so I think that's it. I don't have anything else. And like I said, Tisha, get well soon. I need you, girl. Oh, you know what? Before we do that, I got some social media comments out there. Let me get to those. Um, let's see. Nate DWS, who? I know. I'm rooting for the 49ers. George B, don't forget George Kittle. I think I got him. All right, and George B says Nick Boss is a <laughs> that's funny. Nick Boss is a defensive end, big time since the day he's at OSU. I agree with that one hundred percent. And then um, George says the Giants are the scary type of team that could give 
Philly fits. I two million percent agree with that. Um, I, I would not be surprised at all if the Giants go into the link and get a win and head off to the NFC Championship game against either the Cowboys in Dallas or the 49ers in San Francisco. Uh, but I did pick the Eagles, so we shall see how it all plays out. All right, we're going to get on up out of here, man. Four, T2C. This is Willie F. King Jr. Y'all stay safe. Y'all hug each other. Y'all love each other. And we will holler y'all again. Real soon. Peace. I'm out. Y'all be good.